You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sid Talk. Happy 600th anniversary! Is that to me or to your book, to your podcast? It's to our podcast. You want to refer to it as your podcast. Well, it is because you are a scully. No, it's not. I'm just along for the ride. It's called After the Show Movie Podcast. It isn't called the A Scully Podcast. (laughs) We'll just have to agree to disagree. So we've done 600 shows. How many weeks is that? (laughs) Did you not do the math before this moment? No. Well, You're just supposed to do it off the top of your head when I drop it. Six hundred shows is six hundred weeks. We do one a week. Oh, yeah, no, we've done. But we occasionally two do a week more sometimes. than yeah. yeah, yeah. So just under six hundred weeks. We've skipped a few for holidays and whatnot. We have. And uh, the before the after the show discussion was me giving you shit because you did absolutely really didn't make a plan for your 600. Well, at show. the beginning of this podcast, there might be something that I did. So now you're just going to have to you can start now planning for 1000. Do you think that's enough time? No, 700. To I should do something for 700. Edit together a lot of podcasts. No, that's boring. This was the discussion. Your ideas were boring. You said my ideas were boring. So nothing was born of it. We could record. We could have on our 700 podcast, people send in questions and then we answer oh, them. Oh, boring. We could have, <laughs> like, we talk about our favorite movies of all time, something that's off reviewing a weekly movie. True, but we do do that throughout our podcasts. I think people would probably be able to know by now what our favorites are. <laughs> could talk about our most amusing movie experiences. Amusing Movie experiences like... Like you go to the cinema and it's weird. Like we did last week when I talked about Helen Hunt. Oh, yeah, but then okay, maybe, we did maybe that didn't one. hear that. We did that one already. They're not so much about, funny as they are miserable with the people. We could tell jokes for an hour. I'm not very funny. I could tell jokes for an hour. We could do a stand-up routine. <laughs> we both write it and say it. No, thank you. We could... We could just get on with this one, because I'm sure people really want to know about Anna. We could talk about gardening for an hour. You wouldn't like that, and neither would the people listening to this. I could definitely <laughs> talk about seeds and gardening for an hour. No problem. There we, there we go. We've, we've got it. So we'll, we could do a gardening podcast. We could talk about seeds. I don't even want to do that. I won't even listen to a gardening podcast. Isn't true. <laughs> so happy 600th anniversary... That's for, a the, lot. for the after the show, six hundred shows. Weirdly, we must have started this week. The Giant Bombcast, which is another podcast I listen to, had their six hundredth show last week, actually. And the Cadcast, another video game podcast, two weeks ago had their six hundredth show. So w- weird that we all started at the same time. Was that the beginning of is podcasting? It weird? No, I think it's really standard and almost kind of like oh, we just jumped on the bandwagon, didn't we? Was that the beginning of podcasting? Possibly six hundred weeks like it. ago. Around about, weeks ago. <laughs> like when people when people started yeah i think we were on it early right uh 
Like, it, there wasn't tons of podcasts when we started doing it. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, now they're just it, they're just ordinary. I, I mean, there's podcasts everywhere, right? There's podcasts on every. I think there subject. was at the time as well. Hmm. Funny though, the, those the three, the two that I listen to and ours are at the same number, roughly. Mm-hmm. All at the same. I mean, time. I don't think that's weird at all. I think you got the idea because other people are doing it, and then we did it, so it kind of makes total sense. Well, yeah. So this is the weekend of Saturday, September the 21st. Just for the record, it's about 11 years, 600 weeks. It is. So this is the weekend of Saturday, September the 21st. This is after the show number 600. We look at a movie every week, and this week's movie is Anna. It's a 2019 movie. We got this a little early for review from Lionsgate. It's rated R. You'll be able to pick it up on September the 24th. On 4K, Blu-ray, it will be on digital already. It'll be on digital now if you go to Voodoo or wherever. So, Sidtok, give us the synopsis of Anna, and then I will um, give you the synopsis off the box. Hmm. A woman agent for the KGB who's also a model. Okay. And the, the <laughs> I'm trying to give it as little possible personality because you are going to read theirs, which will probably hype it up quite I'll give a bit. you the official one. Beneath Anna Polyatova's striking beauty lies a secret that will unleash her indelible strength and skill to become one of the world's most feared government assassins. An electrifying thrill ride unfolding with propulsive energy, startling twists and breathtaking action. Anna introduces Sasha Luss in the title role with a star-studded cast including Academy Award winner Helen Mirren, Killian Murphy... And Luke Evans. See? It's a lot more exciting than mine was. Yeah. It was very descriptive. Anyway, I want to say, um, this is from director Luke Besson, who I am a big fan of. You are. And um, I, after, you know, we talked about it last week, Valerian, um, which was his last movie, which the trailer promises so much and it looks so awesome. But then when you watch it, it falls a little bit flat. Do you agree? I agree. Um, but it was still fun, but very... I don't remember what happened, like you said. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I don't remember the story at all. I, I remember the visuals, and when I see the trailer, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that bit, I remember that bit. But I don't remember overall what was going on. Um, so I think I, I think it was like, well, Luke did The Fifth Element. It's one of my favorite movies. This looks something like The Fifth Element. He's back doing sci-fi. And it didn't quite hit, so I was kind of disappointed with it. So Anna, his, his first movie was La Femme Nikita, which I'm a big fan of. You have not seen, you tell me? Mm-mm, I don't believe so. It's a very good... It's been redone. Um, I mean, this is almost a redo of it again. Anna, Isn't it someone I'm not a huge fan of? It's um, Bridget Fonda. Yeah. Yeah. Are you not a big fan of her? Not really. Hmm. Anyway, Anna, I... Because Luke Besson's been kind of not, you know, Leon and Fifth Element, he's made some amazing movies over the time. I wasn't expecting much from Anna, but then when it ended, I actually really enjoyed it. And it's not perfect, obviously. You you can vouch for me on that. Yeah, absolutely. But I was thinking, there was a film we watched that is a similar type of movie called Red Sparrow with... Jennifer Lawrence. We watched that last year. 
And I think this is way more fun than that. It doesn't take itself as seriously. It's a bit more... This is more of an action movie than, like, trying to be artsy in a way or whatever. Mm. This is just straight up, like, is this female assassin? And... But isn't it also a lot like Atomic Blonde and Salt? I mean, it is. is, I was thinking this when I was watching it. It's like Salt and Atomic Blonde had a baby. (laughs) And this is its baby. Anna's Anna's the baby. Because it, you know, it even uses Atomic Blonde's musical thing where it plays Mm -hmm. this one. It's in the same time period as Atomic Blonde. So this one even plays some 80s. It plays Need You Tonight by In Excess with a big montage of action. Which is cool. I liked it. There is some cool Luke Besson stuff in here. Um, I think she's really cool. I can see people would... She's a... Sasha Luss, who plays the main character. She is not been... She's not acted before. She was in Valerian as a side thing. But she's not... You know, this is her main... She's the main person in this. And she's up against some big actors, right? In oh, this yeah. movie, too. And I think she convincingly was was good. I liked her in the action pieces, and I liked her, you know, she was, you know... See, I don't want to give too much away. This has this movie has lots of twists and turns, which I enjoyed. Did you enjoy them? Did you see them all coming? I saw a couple of it coming, and I wasn't necessarily surprised because I wasn't that... Not that I didn't like it. I liked it. I liked her. I wanted to know what was going to, how it's all going to end up. But I wasn't so invested that I was like, oh no, or oh yes. You know? Yeah, well, it, it's almost like these kind of movies, like espionage, spies, assassins. Uh, we've seen lots of them. You've all seen lots of them, probably, if you watch mo- movies. And how these movies work, there's like a framework that they all use. You know, there's a double cross, there's an assassination, there's a mm-hmm. twist in the tail, there's a they all kind of operate in the same boundary. And what each director does, like say it's Atomic Blonde or whatever, they bring something extra to it, like Atomic Blonde I thought brought like really realistic fighting and the musical element, you know, it made it not not that it's a musical, but there's music that amps up the action. So this one does all those things, but what I think Luke Besson has, and it was one thing that kept striking me watching the movie, was he never like goes full Hollywood with his movies. Like he could to try and get like American audiences to watch the whole things. I mean some could say Valerian is definitely you could, full but, Hollywood. But they always feel European. Like this one feels even though it's got, you know, Hollywood actors. Well, actually not. They're all English actors, aren't they mostly? Mm. But they're still Hollywood actors, people you've seen in big movies, such as Helen Mirren. It still feels like, to me, like it's like a French movie a bit, the, the style of it. He he uh, doesn't make everybody, he does make some speaking phony, like Russian accents and stuff, but then he will have subtitles for a lot of the time on different people, speaking their own native language, which Hollywood movies tend not to do. So I think Luc Besson's films feel, they do feel more European, and I do think he keeps to that, and it makes his films feel different. This doesn't feel like Atomic Blonde to me. Atomic Blonde is... Yeah, true. It's not as powerful as Atomic Blonde. No, and Atomic Blonde's a bit more flashy than this. Like, the cinematography in Atomic Blonde, there's a lot of neon lights, and there's a lot of very thought-out stuff. A lot of this is kind of ugly, 
Like, there's, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's some really luxurious locations in this movie, but there's also, like, it looks like they're just stood in some shitty warehouse a lot, a lot of time. It's not actually as pretty as that. But um, um, not that that brings, like, a realism or anything, because this still is very, it's very comic booky, right? It's very, like, you know, she's kind of superhuman almost, even though she's not, right? <laughs> she's yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. It's not, she doesn't have the convincing factor that I had for Atomic Blonde or even Salt or Red Sparrow. Right. That was called Red Sparrow because there was, I was convinced by seeing the training, by seeing the torture, by understanding at least early on, didn't see all their training, but you understood these are angry, powerful, physically powerful, really angry women. (laughs) And that brings a lot. This young lady wasn't as angry as she was just sort of beaten down in life. She was effed up. Yeah, beaten down, living with a jerk, kind of a junkie, sad story of her life, but she wasn't like, bring it on, world, whereas those other characters are often just like, you can see it, they've got like a steel rod for a backbone. She's more like, you're not sure. And it's not really her size, or it's kind of her demeanor, and also they didn't fill us in enough. They kind of hint at her backstory boom we see what happened to the parents boom we see how she gets recruited and now we're in it and you don't yeah it never really covers that yeah and the way he does some action like the first part with the boyfriend it's all pretty um it's not very substantial the car race and their char chase was but i mean it's almost like play acting they hadn't really got their footing i wasn't convinced that she was really wanting out of that life or anything. So it didn't lay down the framework for me to go, oh, here we go. She is going to kick some ass, you know? Yeah. Now, there's some very good action sequences in this movie. Very Luke Besson action sequences. You know, they're a bit over the top. They're a bit cartoonish. The baddies are kind of like John Wick. This is like female John Wick as well, isn't it? She shoots people point blank mm-hmm. in the head. She stabs people. She's pretty vicious. But she's very, like, focused of what what she's doing. Also, um, you know when I said this is like Salt and Atomic Blonde had a baby? Well, that would be like a three-way where Pulp Fiction got its little um, <laughs> got its little thing in there as well. Because uh, he uses the framing element that Pulp Fiction and many other movies use, but I always think of it from Pulp Fiction, where you see a whole scene play out and you take it for what it is, and then it'll go... Five days earlier, and you'll see. I wasn't in love with that. And you'll see the lead up to that scene with all the details you have missed inserted. So then the scene plays out, and you're like, oh, it means a different thing now because I know what she's doing. Right, but also got confusing at times. You had to really think about, whoa, whoa, whoa. The last time we were three months ahead, and now we're back in the present, and now they're like three days earlier. And then they're two months earlier, so I'm trying to keep up with when this happened. I mean, right. they clued you in pretty well, but it could I can see how that would really uh, annoy people. Yeah, well, I enjoy that kind of narrative uh, element. I, it's because of that. Because when, you've, when you're given a little bit of extra information and then you see the scene play out again, the scene means a different thing, which I find interesting. Pulp Fiction's the ideal thing. A lot of the stuff in that movie, you're like... Once you're clued in the second time to see the scene again, you're like, 
oh, that's why that person's doing that. And that's why that person seems a bit nervous. Or, you know, you, mm-hmm. th- this happens in this movie quite a bit. But then you don't really cotton on to that, the behavioral part, for a few scenes. And then you kind of go, oh, 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 okay, now I get it. She was kind of weirded out and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Kind of. It starts to piece together as you as Yeah, it goes but it's back not done in a super elegant way to me. Right. It's kind of clumsy. Oh, the other movie I, I didn't speak about earlier, when I was talking, like, I was a bit disappointed with Valerian. Lucy was the one he did mm, before Lucy, that. that one, yeah. Which also had an amazing trailer, Lucy, and then you watched it and you were like, hmm. Uh-huh. You know, it didn't live up to what it promised. Um, the, his next movie is Lucy 2. So, I don't know if Scarlet... They, uh, spoilers. He gets the ladies done. He's got Scarlet, he's got Charlize, he's got Helen, he's got... Well, he had Mila. Well, he's married to her, but still. <laughs> he got married to her after Fifth he, Element. He never had Charlize, did he? In in any of his movies? Charlize Theron. She's Atomic Blonde, isn't she? Yeah, this isn't. That wasn't Luke Besson. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> no, yeah, but he does like the ladies, obviously. <laughs> this, he puts very good-looking ladies in his title roles. Jane Fonda as well, right? In Back in the day. Um, So he's always been into that female-empowered characters right or seems like it or is it is it female empowered characters or is it like sexualized female characters you know also what's her face padme yes and she was a child in that one she so but also making her more grown up right you know yeah so i really it was a lot of fun this movie i had way more fun than i had with red sparrow um it it's obviously not perfect, and I kept thinking as I was watching it. Some of these scenes are actually bad. There's some really bad dialogue being delivered. There's some some of these henchmen like look like they're like like Laurel and Hardy kind yes. of fighting, like they're being hit with a frying pan or something, like you know, in the background. Like yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that, but then again, John Wick had a lot of that too, right? True. If you look in the background of people. Um, but I think she pulled off the action sequence as well. I really loved the action sequence where she's in the Russian embassy place, mm-hmm. KGB place, and she's fighting, going down the stairs and everything. That was really cool. It was That reminded me a bit of Atomic Blonde when she was going trying to escape with the hostage guy going down the stairs. Yeah, you have to remember too, this KGB Russian as the enemy is going to be totally not hitting home with anyone that's younger than, say... I don't know, 30. <laughs> because in our early lifetime, they were the foe, right? They were sold to the world and to us as the big bad enemy. And they were enemies in so many movies and just in general. Like the Russians will blow us up and they've got atomic weapons. You know what I mean? It was woven into our brains as young kids. Yeah. People now who are 20 years old, 25 years old, that won't... The Russian thing... It, it's almost going to be cartoony to them. Like, really? We're depicting them in 1990 as if they're living in the 50s almost. Is that, that's just weird. But, you I know. Feel, I feel like the... To um, us, that's like, yeah, that's how they lived. Even yeah, though we have no idea. Yeah, the time period that this is set in, um, there's a lot of people on cell phones and there's USB drives and there's laptops and stuff. I, I kept getting the feeling that they'd taken a few liberties. Some of this stuff was not around when... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a USB drive, for instance. She pulls a USB drive out of a bra to, like, um, you know, I hack think it. they were. 
It was pretty big USB drive, but when the hell did USB even come about? Like that that was the thing I was thinking. But then again, that's nitpicky, but <laughs> like you I don't think USB came about until like 1990s. Late 1990s. The first and- USB technology began development in 1994. So invented by a Javat. So when was this? Now. When when was this? 1990. Yeah. So th- there was things like that where I was like, "Oh, this is a little bit out of time." But then again, we are talking about CIA and yeah. the KGB. Well, that's where I was like, when Helen Mirren <laughs> opened up that laptop and it was really thick. It was an IBM ThinkPad because I'm a bit of a nerd and I I, I recognize hardware. <laughs> I was like, it was a real thick, big laptop. I was like, oh, well, even if average people didn't have that the kgb would probably have it right right or the or the cia at that point so but i did feel there was times where i was like uh technology doesn't quite match some people have a big bulky cell phone some people have a very thin cell phone i was like hmm very thin cell phone don't think so there was none right no so there was a bit of that going on Um, usb1 was released in 1996 i thought so which this movie actually she it's not some special thing she pulls out. She just pulls a USB stick out. And I was like, USB, come on, really? <laughs> but we have to take the leap and go, well, the KGB, they, de- they developed all it that. It might not really. have been USB. It might have just looked like that. Some other data transfer device. Mm, KGB. KGB. <laughs> <laughs> KSB? Um, KFC. KFC, KSB. So uh, uh, also the front cover of this movie is they're trying to make it look like Hitman Agent 47, but a woman. Is that it? Yeah. You know, holding the guns like that. Yeah. With the silences on. That's Hitman, the cover of every Hitman game. Oh, yeah. So uh, I think think they're trying to do that. It's a bit much. Um, So I I really enjoyed it, weirdly. I enjoyed it a lot. I had a good time. It doesn't make it good, but I did have a good time. No, it's it's like Luke Besson is like... Either it's really good, let's take like Leon, it's really good, or what else? The Fifth Element, it's really good, or <laughs> it's later Luke Besson, Valerian, it's still good, or Anna, it's still good, <laughs> but it's... It's like hanging it's, on to a, to a, the side of a building with fingertips kind yeah. of good, like, come on, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> like Luke. But then again, are our sensibilities just changing? And also, I think he makes movies for himself. Yeah. And he's probably not the most classy guy in the whole world. And so his standards of things are just different. We just got lucky and I fell in love with the fifth element. Like the um, instant, I think the first scene classic. I ever even saw. Uh, yeah. And yeah. You know, it's, it's so Leon, it makes me cry at the end every time. Not that there's not that I'm spoiling anything, but you know, the scene where Sting, yep. play, Sting plays the shape of my heart. Yep. Always makes me well up. It's like, uh, uh. I don't know why, but, um, there's something about those early Luc Besson movies. I, I didn't know until today, researching a bit of Luc Besson, that he's actually the writer of the Taken series of films. Right. Yeah, he didn't direct them, but he wrote them. And also the Transporter series of films, he also wrote those. And yes, they're very similar movies. Yep. <laughs> he's got a style of his thing, and not he? He likes action, obviously. And, Which is uh, fine, you gotta have a thing. I mean, Steven Spielberg doesn't have a thing, but... And he does all right. Luc Besson also directed this series of French movies called Taxi. Have you heard of those? 
The French version of Taxi? Yeah, oh yeah, you know the Taxi movie with <laughs> Queen Latifah. buckle up, motherfucker? No. Yes, well, that that, that was an American remake of Luc oh, Besson's Taxi. That's unfortunate. Now, Luc Besson made five Taxi movies. It was really successful. They're action-packed car chase movies, is what they are. And they're very French. You know, you get what I'm saying? Yes. American audiences probably wouldn't go for them. They've, but he also has that series of movies that he's very famous for, over there anyway. So, um, so are we on the same page with this movie? We both liked it. I liked it, and I would actually, if it was on again on cable or something, I'd probably watch it again. It's one of those where I had a good time. I like her a lot. Yes, there are moments when I can't tell if she's just being like the downtrodden Russian young lady who's had a shitty life, or she's struggling to figure out how to be a character, <laughs> you know, because she's not been in other movies and stuff and so but i liked her i'd, I'd watch her again so talking about her, sasha luss she's called she's actually a supermodel she does lots of they runway call stuff. young lady supermodels these days i'm not sure anymore what that means to me a supermodel is someone that everyone knows you know, well i mean everyone thing. like i'm not in the fashion world so if i know your name you are a supermodel if inside the fashion world they know your name then you're a fashion have you heard model. of sasha luss before no that's what I'm saying. Apparently, she's uh, she's been on. She holds the record for being on the front cover of Elle the most. Right, and I don't read Elle magazine because right. I don't care about fashion. That's what I'm saying. But if she would transcend that, because right. back in the day, I didn't wasn't into fashion when Cindy Crawford was famous either. That makes her to me a supermodel because I'm like, oh, you just showed up. I'm not in your world, and I still know who you are. Did we mention she gets to wear so many outfits in this movie? Forty eight. 48 different. <laughs> yeah. If you like seeing a lady in different outfits, this is the movie for you. She's in a lot of... She might be in like a sexy outfit. She might be like... Talk about cosplay gold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lots of looks. Talk yeah. about action figure line. Mm. You could bring out 52 different versions of her. 48. Oh. Not 52? Like a... He said 50, 48. The guy who designed the costume said we had 48 And we're going costumes. from like a supermodel look to like... She was dressed as a queen, like a French queen at one point, right? Well, Marie Antoinette. Oh, because in this because in this movie she is also a, she's actually a model, a, a model, yeah, a fashion model. She's um, a fashion model and a secret agent. True. This is a concept I imagine popped into his head, and it was like, "Ooh, how yeah. do I make a hot, sexy supermodel into a double agent?" Um. So yeah, Sasha Lust plays Anna. She's been, like I say, she was in Valerian, but it wasn't a speaking part from what I could tell. And she is the lead of this movie. And I think she did all right. She didn't seem to me like somebody who's not acted. And the action was fine, right? There's some really good action scenes when yeah. she's like cutting people. I mean, with there's a lot stuff. of not great stunt work going on with her and the others, but you know, I can usually get past that if it keeps up enough interest for the two or three minutes that they're fighting. Yeah, and there's, like Luke Besson said in the extras, this isn't like a movie full of action. There's only really a few action scenes. But it does feel like there's a lot of action when you're watching it, right? But it, there is a lot, yeah. of it's a lot of, like, building up to action. <laughs> and then just bits of, like, action. But yeah, it's pretty violent too. It's in the same vein as John Wick. Lots of shooting people very close up and uh, sticking knives in them and stuff. It's like that. So uh, Helen Mirren plays Olga. What do you think of Helen? Helen seemed to me... She was quite caricature. Didn't she seem like she was having a load of fun, though? Yes. Like, it's like a... 
it's not her usual character that she's playing. It's kind of a bit brash and a bit, you know, um, she swears, she smokes. Who is she? Tell, tell, the, tell them who she is. Well, she's the lady from the KGB. Yeah, like the a handler. she works for, yeah. A trainer, handler, yeah. She's quite so she's funny. She's very in parts. tough and she has the very dark and deep, you know, the standard Russian accent that yeah. we all think of. That one that we all think is But if we were Russian, we'd be like, what? What, what is that? Why can't you just have a Russian lady do it? <laughs> yeah, but I like Talon Miram. I thought she brought something to it. I thought I was quite, it was quite fun to watch her because it is kind of tongue in cheek, her character, really. Also, she- like, why they make the guy have to be Russian? She didn't have to eat well, She's Russian, but you could also make up a thing so they don't have to put on those weird accents and say, you know, yeah. well, why do you have a British accent? Well, I was sent off as a child. I was always, I've always been trained as an agent and they sent me to England so that I would learn that language so I could blend in better out in the world. You know what I mean? But they don't ever try to do that. They just say, yeah, do the accent, even yeah. if it's really weird. It's just that phony Russian like stereotype accent, isn't it? Yeah, we hear? all do it. Yeah. Uh, Luke Evans... He's a Welshman, also plays a Russian. Yeah, he could yeah. also have been the same thing. Like, well, he yeah. was raised in Wales because we wanted to, we want our agents to all have different experiences. So when we send them out in the world, they're not just Russian I, people. I quite like Luke Evans in this. I, th- I think he was pretty good. I thought it was very ineffective, like kind of boring. Did you? Yeah. I, I, you know, he got into a bit of a relationship with her and it's just interesting, like his position. There was, was a playing. relationship. They had sex a couple times. That's what I mean. Yeah. I was just hinting around it, but I'm, what I'm saying is, it was uh, the it, the position he was in was kind of taut and like he he's kind of on the edge of like, what do I do? Do I am I loyal to my country or am I loyal to my person? Yeah, um, Killian Murphy, who plays an American in this, who has a terrible like, Ameri- <laughs> again. <laughs> again, his his accent, his American accent is not very good ever. I don't think it sounds really phony. I mean, it doesn't because America, we all have just. So, um, yeah, Killian Murphy. I liked him too. I thought he brought something to it. Um, yeah, I liked him better than I like him in a lot of other things. I'll give him that. And then finally, I want to say the one of the worst things in this movie is uh, she's called Lyra Abova and she plays Maud. She's like a female romantic interest for Anna. And she is a really bad actress. Felt that too. I felt really bad thinking. I'm like, is she trying really hard? No, she was. She was. Um, there were scenes. The the scene, for instance, where she is sat near the window. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And they come in, and she's like, <sighs> yeah. And she kept looking like it, it was like she didn't know where to look. It, it just looked. It was bad. unfortunate. The scene where she was like kissing Anna on the back of the neck and stuff, trying to like get her in, in a sexy mood. And it just didn't feel right at all. It just it felt like there was no chemistry at all. Like it was... Exactly. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. I, I, she's a French actress, but she she stood out to me as, as like, oh, that's some... There was also a scene where she was sat She's eating. sort of like ultra beautiful, because there were scenes she's where he's model. focused right on her face. And as you're watching her, you know, she is beautiful. And then that coy flirty thing that she was doing was like such a turnoff yeah like it was beneath her it's another like in um atomic blonde she had a female relationship remember mm-hmm. i was like oh is this but just she like- was good yeah she was really good that was sophia batella the lady from kick-ass not kick-ass kingsman the lady with no legs from kingsman yeah 
Uh, she was really good in that. But this was like a weak attempt at having that, it seemed like. I was like, oh. And this woman, there was that, that scene where she'd been told something and she had to react to it. I was like, what is she doing? Like, It's like... <laughs> Like everybody in this movie is doing a pretty decent job, but it's like amateur hour. Yeah, because when that in that scene when it was over, she's like crying like a baby, and I looked, I looked yeah, over, and sobbing, I'm like, like, I wouldn't be crying. I'd be like, what the hell was that? Also, what um, the heck just happened? Also, like any scene, you know that scene where Anna comes home and she's excited about the apartment. Yep. And she's wondering, and it's like really over the top. It's like, ugh. Is it that Luke Besson thinks there are people? That this young, beautiful model, that that's his stereotypical way he thinks they'll behave. And then they want to counter that with Anna, who then is kind of cold to her and kind yeah. of like dead on the inside. I mean, you're right. She might have been told to do it like that. Yeah. They might have said, you know, like, we want you to be stereotypical. Like, very, yeah. Very kind of. That's how it felt. And then she kind of ran with it. It just felt weak. <laughs> Like, because there's a lot of good actors, and then there's her, and I was like, "Ooh." I mean, that's a bad thing to say, but yeah, it is. I but it's, totally it actually stood out. It's every time she was on the screen, I was like, "She's very beautiful, and she's got a shaved head, and she look, you know, she's very got a beautiful looking face, like off the magazine." But anytime she says anything, I'm not buying anything <laughs> she's selling. Like it's just, you know. Eh. So um, this is directed by Mr. Luke Besson. We mentioned his movies. The Fifth Element, Leon, Lucy, Valerian, La Femme Nikita, which was his first one. And this does borrow a lot of La Femme Nikita, which you've not seen. If you went and watched it tonight, you'd be like, oh, some of the scenes are the same. Right. <laughs> so it wasn't, I don't think it was a uh, like a coincidence. I think he was like, I would like to update that and make it like, you know, modern. Even though it isn't modern, is it? It's in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why he chose that time period, because you could make this movie today, like in today's world too, right? It didn't have to have that period to it. I wonder why. What do you reckon? Just because he wanted the Russians to be that kind of threat? Yeah, I think that, yeah, for people like us, that seems to make sense. If it was 2019 and you were doing that, I don't know if it would have the same, right. you know? So, um... Extras on the 4K disc that we got sent. There are a bunch. Dressing a doll, the costumes of Anna. That's why we know how many costumes she has. Correct. Anatomy of a scene, the restaurant fight, which is showing her getting trained to do this crazy fight. There's also unnesting a Russian doll, making Anna and constructing the car chase. Um, Luke Besson has been on record many times that he will never do a commentary on his Blu-rays. He thinks... But you should just watch the movie. You don't really need to know what he says. Right. So you're never going to hear Luke talking. So there isn't any of that, unfortunately. But um, the I extras, don't really want to listen to him talk. I, I love to listen to directors talk. I know you It's do. my thing. I am. Um, I've never really... I mean, really you've got the movie. You have, and that's his point. Like, yeah. You don't need I'm me to Luke explain the movie Luke and I are good friends. I agree with Luke. All right. So, um... <laughs> IMDb reviews, you um, tell me what that is. You pick out one-star reviews and then you read them with a funny um, accent of your own. Should I do it in a Russian accent? You are trying to make them sound, I don't know, fussy and wrong. But sometimes when we don't like the movie either, we're kind of like, oh yeah, they're right. I really like this movie though, so 
I'm not going to agree with these one-star people. Okay? Mm, we'll see. Number one. I walked out. <laughs> Very bad acting. This girl is a noodle and she kills everyone. It was the same thing. A noodle? I think he means thin. Oh, like okay. To okay. It was the same thing over and over. The story was far from original. And seriously, the movie was predictable. They kept trying to do twist after twist. It became annoying, and so I didn't even bother to watch the end. It was so bad. So bad. Um, this guy says, It was absolute rubbish. Only good if you like looking at starving women. <laughs> so the other guy says she's too skinny. This guy's saying she's too skinny. Lay off. Let her just be. This guy says, do not waste time or money. He says, John Wick, but with a tall blonde who cannot act her way out of a wet paper bag. That's just rude. Um, what else we got? Just rude. This guy says, did you even go to school to learn how to make a movie, Luke Besson? <laughs> uh, he's, he's made some successful movies already. He has a couple. Um, anyway. He, this guy says, this was total chaos. The plot seemed to be working off a 10-year-old child. Jumping in time is confusing. The film is superficial. And the only bright spot is the performance of Killian Murphy. It was so boring that I wanted to stop the movie 41 minutes in. That's very specific. It's very specific. The movie lacks depth. And we don't care about the characters. Bypass it if you can. All right. So do you agree with any of that? No. Definitely don't agree that Killian Murphy is the, the best thing in the movie. I mean, he's all right. This, this guy says, boring. I was excited to see this movie when I saw the trailer because it's led by a strong female character, but I couldn't finish it. It seems like every scene is the same. The lead actors are very bland. The timeline is very messy. And the fact that she is clearly into men but becomes a lesbian with a girl on her arm would keep the predators at bay line. It's a horrible line. It is said by the only other female character with a huge importance in the movie. Don't waste your time on this movie. <laughs> I don't like it when people tell me what to do. Um, so I'll waste my time. It's not a waste of your time. This guy finally says, Another pile of dung from Luke Besson. <laughs> Granted, The Fifth Element was a nice effort. And a movie worthy of cult status. Something which is worth more than the sum of its parts. But Lucy is the worst movie of all times. My. And Anna comes a close second. Nothing in this movie makes any sense. This is yet another path pathetic attempt for Luc Besson to exercise his sex fetish through movie making. It's quite clear for anyone with a basic knowledge about 20th century cinema that this guy has made his life mission to make a woman fetish movie even greater than Barbarella. Sadly for him and us viewers, he is no Roger Vadim. For the viewer, the only value that can be had is the involuntary comedy. I laughed out loud for 75% of this movie's running time. Why? Because this movie is ridiculous. The only sane reaction to it is to either laugh or to leave. The only redeeming quality of this movie... <laughs> is Helen Mirren, who is probably the best living actress of our times. It is absolutely a pleasure to see her perform, even in a pile of crap that is a pathetic excuse for a film. Goodness. So that's the that bad reviews. That took some energy. I disagree with all of you people. Yeah? Thank you. 
I'm I think this is a fun action movie from Luc Besson. It's not War and Peace. It's not mm-hmm. trying to be some slick, serious, Oscar-winning movie. It's an action movie that's a good one. It's above-average action, mo- action movie, I reckon. I mean, because we've seen lots of bad action movies, too. True. So, movie recommendations. Um, thanks to Lionsgate, actually, for the Blu-ray 4K. And um, next week, we're going to be reviewing the Danny Boyle's latest movie, Yesterday. So Yesterday. All my troubles seem so far. That, oh, you that just yesterday? you just got us uh, slapped with a bill from Paul McCartney. <laughs> How much does he charge? For, well, I don't know. Probably quite a bit. <laughs> no, Paul's my friend. I'll give him a call. All right. Movie recommendations. Also, if you're thinking that my rendition of that was enough to like anyone recognize what it was, <laughs> thank you. I'll when I upload this to YouTube, it'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll flag that. Anyway, um, movie recommendations. I am going with Atomic Blonde because it's a good, probably the best example of this genre, I think, that I've seen in recent times. Mm. And Leon, which is my favorite example of this genre, which is what, like action action woman yeah leon is a fantastic movie it still holds up watch it it's one of luke Besson's best best watch it what is yours mine are a little different i'm gonna go with uh movies that i think i need to watch just for the i don't know call back to a nicer time of life now i'm not saying that the people in these movies are nice because judy garland wasn't nice i know that i'm fully aware of who she was as a person but wizard of oz is one of those movies that when I watch, I'm like transported to my grandmother's floor in front of her console TV on Thanksgiving night when my dad was bitching because he wanted to go home. It was a 40-minute drive. We'd had Thanksgiving, and they always put on Thanksgiving, and I would lay on the floor with my little face and my little hands, listening to him tell mom, we need to go, come on, we need to go. And I know my mother was probably thinking, oh, God, she's watching The Wizard of Oz. I don't want to, like, <laughs> I don't want to... <laughs> take her away from her Wizard of Oz. And of course it would have been on from like 7 to 10 because it would have added shitload of commercials. Made it all evening long, you know, probably. Yeah. And so that's what it takes me back to and I loved it then and I would love it again now. Now, the other one is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You don't call it that? I I call it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What do we call it? Willy Wonka yeah. and the Chocolate Factory. The British way is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Correct. So Willy Wonka. And because, again, it's just got that, like, it's weird, and it's it has some social commentary, and it's just a release. It's just a fun, fun romp of a movie. So, I say very, go It back. is very good, and do not even bother watching the Tim Burton remake, because it is No, don't is tell people really... what to do. If they want to watch it, let them if do watch it. Watch it if you want to watch a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to you. You're no more credible than those one-star people. All right, so even um, if I agree with you, a Scully stuff. I am going with. I've been playing some more games from Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass. A game called Dead Cells, which is a two D. You see me playing this one, two mm-hmm. D eight bit style uh, platformer, uh, and it's a roguelike. Which roguelike? What does roguelike mean, Sitok? I don't know. No, you don't know. Roguelike. Yeah. No. It's a genre of video game. Roguelike. I'll explain what roguelike is. You uh, you start the game and you play it and you'll, you will die. You know, it's kind of designed that you're going to die. And then you'll Sounds die. Great. 
and then you will come back to life. This dead cells is you never you can't die, but you do come back. And then you, what you did pre prior, if you unlocked anything in your prior run through of the game, you will keep that stuff. So hence, the second time you play the game, it might be slightly easier because you've got better stuff. And the more you die, the better stuff you get. So you keep going into the game, trying to get as far as you can, collecting stuff, only to die, and then to eventually be reincarnated with the stuff you already collected. Eventually, you get to a point where you're so powerful because all the stuff you've got is so cool, you can finish the game. So it's like designed for you to play through it lots and lots, the same levels over and over again. While that sounds really boring, it isn't because the actual loop of well this 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 run is going to be much easier because i just found a sword that is 50 times more powerful than the one i had in the last it just makes it really fun so that's what a roguelike is so what's a roguelike i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah that's it uh dead cells it's free on game pass i've played a lot of it this week it's really good i've also played there's a new racing game out called wrc rally 8 and it's the eighth of these rally games. Um, Dirt Rally, Codemasters make a rally games called Dirt Rally, and they're kind of the, you know, the premium top end of rally motorsport games. And WRC Rally has always been like the budget title. It's kind of the same kind of game, but it's not got as much money to develop it, so it never comes across as good. This one's kind of caught up with Dirt Rally, and I was quite surprised. I've not played. Maybe WRC 6 was the last one I played. So I picked up 8 this week, and it is very much like Dirt Rally now. It's um, The graphics have caught up. The handling is really good. There's much more deep career mode in this one, where you actually have to manage your whole like offices, and you have to go through your emails, and you have to sign different sponsors and hire different staff to look after your car in between doing the rallies. If you've ever played a football manager game, like a soccer manager, it's like that, but for rallying. Um, But you actually do the rallies, you drive the cars. So that's WRC Rally. I think it's out on consoles and PC. I'm playing the PC version. It's quite good. Did you see me play it? No, I don't think so. A, A racing game, all racing games would look the same to you though, right? Yes. It's just a car on a screen. As do the other ones. With yeah. A fighting game, a war game, a driving game. Unless it's Telltale. Yes. <laughs> I don't mind. Oh, Telltale game. should do a racing game, but you you just it's it would driving. Be very fast moving. <laughs> it's driving, and then you, it says, "Do you want to go left or right?" And then there's a decision to be made. That sounds not fun. Not thrilling. No. All right. So, uh, what is for dinner tonight? We're going to be having a homemade. Non-chicken burrito. We're vegetarian. That's why I'm telling you what we're eating because vegetarians don't starve and we're not all animal freaks and we're not all, uh, what do you call them, activists. Some of us just don't eat dead animals anymore. Between the two of us, I'm sure, and myself more so than you even, ate enough dead cows, pigs, chickens, fish in the whole first 40 years of my life to kill a horse. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever ate a horse. But, um... So we're vegetarian. We've been vegetarian now for 10 years. Uh, I am no skinnier. I'm very round, so I'm quite healthy. You are quite healthy. We have no none of that going on. We just don't eat them. So we like to tell people that we're not starving. We're not eating grass and lettuce every day. Tonight we're having 
corn product. It's like Q-U-O-R-N. And they make these little bits of like, um, it's made out of a mycoprotein. So it's like little bits of roast chicken. I'm going to put it in a tortilla wrap with some cabbage and some corn. What else did I have? Oh, some tofuti sour cream. It's not sour cream. It's made out of tofu. We did have another Impossible Burger this week. We did. And we'll have another one next week. It was um, even better the second time. You're in love with it. Yeah, it's really very good. So, so yeah. that's what we're having for supper. A burrito thingy. Now, also not eating. It don't have any cheese. Um, so people will be like, oh, you can't have a burrito without cheese. Not that we don't eat cheese, but it's really not necessary. I don't think. We have nice beans we can put in there. It'll be delicious. All right. And what is your advice? My advice, oh my God, when I go to the store, I, okay, first I am difficult. I don't have any delusions about myself whatsoever. I am a loud mouth, uh, what do you call those people? Bombastic. I'm quite confrontational. Uh, that's how I am. And yet when I'm out in public, when there are people there and I'm work, dealing with clerks and people, other customers and other people, I'm like, excuse me. I smile. Um, someone asks me a question. I'll say, yes, ma'am. They're right over there or whatever. You know, you just like, you're a decent human being. This doesn't seem to be the way people are anymore. <laughs> Seriously. I feel like I'm in, I'm in a movie where everyone knows the script and they're all being dickheads. And I just haven't read it. I haven't read the daily script. I'm like, am I out of the loop on this? What the hell? I told you about the lady. I went to get some... What I thought were going to be grommets to make a banner for a thing. Oh, yeah. Standing in the row. And it was just another customer lady. She's looking at the same stuff as me. And I didn't see them. And I said something about, have you ever used grommets? Do you know if the grommets are over here somewhere? And she looked at me. And she looked up and down. What are you using them for? And I pointed in my cart. I had some vinyl that I bought. So I'm making a banner. And she goes, you need eyelets, not grommets. <laughs> have you never used them before? Like that. I'm just like, mm. I know. And then she just like pointed at them. It's like she was and, mad at you. Yeah. Or like she's feeling so fucking superior because she knows how to hammer a little piece of metal through a piece of fucking material. Then I got home and I did it and I'm just like, okay, I got it. But why does she have to be such a dick? I was like, thank you. Because she did point at them for me. Um, but I don't get it. I do not understand absolute hateful snotty. I don't know. It's vile to me. And so, yeah, my advice to everybody is just stop being a dickhead. If you go out in public, do the things people did teach you to do. Because it's not like any of us were raised any better. We're all raised the same. You learn manners and you learn to be polite and you learn, you know, not to be a dickhead all the time. I mean, it's not even an age thing. So don't think that. I just think that some people feel the permission to be jerks nowadays. And I don't know why. I was also in the same store, actually, walking around. And I heard the lady who was at the checkout, the clerk lady, she was laughing with some customers. And she's pretty loud, laughing, laughing, and as uh, she's waiting on them. And the lady, I was in like a Joanne fabric. So the lady back here cutting fabric, it was an older lady. And the other lady next to her was also an older lady. And they had a line of people. And the lady keeps cutting her fabric. And I won't yell it the way she did, but she yelled it. Because this lady up front was laughing, and I could see both of them sort of in my line of sight, just looking around, you know. The lady up front was checking out people, and she's laughing and being very cheerful and helpful. And the lady in the back's like, have you done everything I told you to do? 
Sounds and then she charming. keeps on cutting. The people in line were like awkward and like, oh my God, it's like you just got in trouble by the teacher at school. Then the lady up front, I went and asked her a question where I could find some. She goes, oh, you're going to have to ask the ladies in the fabrics because I'm not sure. And I, I looked at her with like this sad eyes. I goes, I don't, I said, I don't think I'm going to ask them. They're kind of intense. She put her hand on my arm. She goes, I know, right? <laughs> and I was like, okay. But it's just this free for all. I can be a jerk and an asshole to everybody in front of everybody. Like I'm a five-year-old kid throwing a big fucking fit. And it, I am the queen of fits. Trust me. I can go off on a rant that you will feel like I've rattled you to your bones, right? That, that can happen. That's a definite possibility. But not like in the civil, the civil social agreement we have, right? I think. Maybe it's going away. People are just, I don't know why, but it's really on my nerves. So I just say, if you're that person, I don't think any of our, our people listening would be that way. Yeah, they probably are a bunch of turds listening. <laughs> but if you identify <laughs> someone else is that way and it gets you down, I'll tell you, it sucks your energy. It makes you feel like, oh, my God, I'm so exhausted from that. Don't let it. Like, let them be unless it's really has a negative, horrible effect on some situation. But, I mean, just think this thought. I am so glad I am not a that person. I'm glad I don't see the world in a way where I have free for all to be a jerk out in public in front of everyone and then just act and be huffy because like, it's like the scooter people that Ethan and Hila are, Hila, is her name Hila? Yeah. On, um, H-I-L-A. What's the name of their podcast? H3? H3 Podcast. I recommend the H3 Podcast. They're showing like scooter people who are on scooters. Oh, and there was a scooter lady today when I went to the store and behind her was a woman with a very full cart and they were going so slow and the lady in front was like and a man walked in front like past her to go down the aisle because you could see this sort of train of people coming with her you would have to stop and wait for the train instead he kind of stepped past and went down the aisle and she gave him a look like (laughs) so that's i wish i had videotaped it or something but that reminded me of them because they show videos of people doing that. And again, she just had this bad attitude. The H3 podcast is showing you how like crazy people on those. Yeah, not like push scooters like with your foot. Scooters like people who have don't walk well or as I experience, it's usually people who are very, very, very overweight. I mean, yes. I'm putting that out there. If that's you and you're offended, it is what it is because we all have brains and eyeballs and we can see what's going on. Yeah, we can see your deception. <laughs> yeah, like just be fat and waddle around. It's not going to kill you to go to the store and walk around for a while. If you have a problem that's super painful and you cannot walk around, I totally understand. What about that one clip we saw where that lady, oh she she's riding on the thing <laughs> and then she she's in the airport and there's a lot of glass windows and she just rides through a glass window. I mean, that's a little different than being rude to the people, but yeah, she just... But then what she does is get up out of the thing and push it. Oh, yeah, she was fine. She was perfectly <laughs> capable of walking, yeah. She's like, oh, shit, i got to get out of the way. I broke a window. Better get out of here quick. It's yeah. just insane. If you, are, if you like uh, funny topics, um, H3 Podcast. It is pretty good. They're on YouTube. Um, often they do interviews sometimes. It's just a guy and his wife, and they're kind of funny. He has Tourette's, and she, they just had a baby, and she's got a pretty dry... She's uh, from Israel, is that right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, they're pretty funny. And Ethan pretty much says anything. Yeah. He's kind of outrageous. So, uh, yeah, if you're easily offended, probably not the podcast <laughs> yeah. for you. But they are very funny. 
So yeah, that's the H3 podcast. Um, Links in the description below. Oh no, this isn't a podcast. Like, don't YouTube. forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> when you watch enough YouTube, those things become just Click hilarious. Ring the bell. You know, I haven't heard that much lately. Have you not? People I, got I fed hear up with every that, single time. Right. Yeah. Ring the bell so you don't miss anything that comes from this channel. I watch gardeners and people cooking. Right. And photographers. I watch weird stuff like people unboxing Amazon pallets. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you even watch I watch those too, yeah. <laughs> you do. We do. See, I found what the thing is, right? Like, I was interested in them unboxing the Amazon pallets, those that, and then we watch them. And then you get to like the people who do it. Exactly. And then it's not 100% about watching the Amazon pallets. It's just like, oh, I like these people. Exactly. Maybe that's what you're all like listening to this podcast. You're like... <laughs> Yeah, it's a load of old They're shit. They're really uh, stupid, and I hate everything they say, but I'm used to them. Yeah, I like <laughs> listening to them on my way to work. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> I hope you've stuck around for 600 of these. Some people have. Sure. So um, let me tell you, you can go to aschoolie.com and witness all 600 of these podcasts. You can also go to Twitter and Facebook. At the beginning of the show, in the title segment i told you everything you can do we can do where you can get this podcast everywhere apart from spotify if you can tell me how to get this thing on spotify <laughs> you sound a little sad whenever you say that like you're gonna get on spotify what i found me. this is this is how you get your podcast on spotify right there's only one way apparently at the moment you go to you have to host your podcast on this one particular thing libsyn i think they're called it costs $30 a month, and they will put you on Spotify. Okay. That seems to be the only way in to their walled so garden of podcasts. They've cheated their way to let other people in. Right. That's weird. So I'd love to be able to put you on Spotify, but I'm not paying $30 a month for it. No. You'll have to go to YouTube, TuneIn, all the other places, Google Play, iTunes. Also, they're already listening. So you're kind of Correct. selling, you're preaching to the choir here. But yeah, there, They've already you know, found you. there's one person who's like, why aren't you on Spotify? <laughs> I hate finding you every week. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you can catch us on Instagram. Email me at com. Don't email Sid Talk. And you can find me on Instagram, Sid Talk. C-I-D-T-A-L-K. And stay classy, us. Us, for doing 600 of these shows. That was pretty classy. And bringing you more shows in the future, including next week's number 601. Nice. I'm going to say think for yourselves, and I'm going to keep saying it. Think for yourself or someone will do it for you. 